0: Thank you for leaving us in worship. You may be seated. Thank you for joining us in worship today. What an amazing day God has planned for us as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday. That's why we gather together on the first day of the week in the Old Testament. It was the Sabbath day, which was Saturday, which is what it is. But when the new covenant came and the resurrection birthed the brand new covenant with God, the church began to assemble on the first day celebrating not only the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but the new covenant that actually brought to us true forgiveness, true relationship with the Father, and we didn't have to have just a religious ceremony anymore. We could actually know God in a personal way. That's why we're here, and so we celebrate, and we should. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. It's great to be with you. We are not a perfect church or perfect people. That's why Jesus died, because he knew we were messed up. God saw that in our sin and our brokenness. And so God sent his one and only to be the savior of the world so that through him we might be made right with God and that we might grow in that faith to become Christ-like in every way. So every week as we gather together, I ask you these questions of accountability. And the reason we ask you that questions of accountability is that we ask that we would live the faith that God has called us into each and every day of our life. On your way in, by the way, I laid this here to remind myself you received one of these, and uh, there's announcements, and there's also directions where you can get the email bulletins. This is going to stop me from having to do verbal announcements. This is the last one you're going to hear from me. It's right there. <laughs> Sign up. Get it. We're done. Okay, you have accountability questions that you get asked every single week, and uh, I told you last Sunday that in the, we, this is our third and final service of the day. In the first service, I asked and uh, all the questions that together like I did to you last Sunday, and I said, did you do all of these this week? And only one person said yes. The second service, nine fifteen, we asked, and there was three people that said yes. And in this service, when I asked you last week, you guys were rocking it, and at least a third of you, if not more, said yes, okay, so... You guys are on it, and I let them know that today, that you guys are doing it, and uh, that they need to, so if they need some coaching, you can help them out. But anyway, uh, today I wanted to tell you this because it's a praise to God that this morning when I asked them, I asked them individually, and and, uh, probably 80 to 90% of them in both those services said yes, and so I said, you either repented and changed, or you need to. (laughs) You ready? Did you spend at least five minutes a day, at least five days last week, listening to, reading, being in God's Word? Did you do that? If you did, say yes. Yes. Did you share a God story with someone this week? Did you spend time alone with God this week? Do you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? That one always seems to be the least one, and then the next one. Are you giving as God asked you to give in time, talents, and resources? Did you invite someone to church with you this week? Yes. Very good, there's cards up here to help you do that if you want to take some of those with you. Um, And I added one. This is a new accountability question for 2019. Last Sunday, if you were not here... The message and the challenge God gave us a goal, and that's why these rocks are laying here. There's a few left for you to take home if you didn't get one. And on that rock is written, each one, reach one, and teach one. And so my question and my accountability is this. Have you been praying and working toward God's goal for 2019 for you personally in each one, reaching one, and teaching one? If you did, say yes. Yes. Awesome. You guys are doing great. Let's keep after it. If you didn't get one, please get one before you leave today. And if you need more, I can make them. That's no problem. Well, I told you a few weeks ago, I didn't expect to continue in the book of Nehemiah. And uh, I I just told you, actually, uh, I think it was the day of Christmas that we were done. And God said, no, you're not. And so I listened. And so we're still doing it. Today, I think we're done, though, because it's the end of the book as of today. (laughs) So either we're done or we're going to go revisit it again and redo the whole thing. I don't know yet, but whatever God wants, we're going to do it. I just want you to know. But the cool thing is, is last week we were on a journey through this um, journey with Nehemiah and the people of Jerusalem. And what we talked about was the second six-hour worship service that they had had in just a short period of time. They finished the wall in 52 days. If you don't know the story and you haven't been with us it's okay just you can read your bible later in spending your 5 minutes a day 5 days a week at least you can read Nehemiah if you haven't read it so they were rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem and they did it in 52 days. It was a miracle of God that that happened that that wall is 16 feet wide on average, huge wall. And the people came together in 52 days. It was rebuilt and the gates were reestablished and the people that were their enemies all around knew God was doing something. So he calls them together in worship. Remember the first worship service, which was six hours. The people stood while they read the word of God, the Levites, the priests, the, the scribes, the teachers, explained verse by verse what God was saying to the people. People began to cry and mourn and weep because they were not living the way God called them to live, and they knew it. They were listening to God's word, and they heard that they were wrong, and they began to weep, and Nehemiah steps up and says, stop crying. Stop your mourning. You need to celebrate what God has done, what God is doing, and that you know what God is asking. He said, so stop it right now. Go home and have a party. Six hours of that and then go home and have a party and celebrate what God... So they did. And then they come back together. The one we were talking about last week was the second six-hour service. And it's amazing that the people all showed up again. Knowing the first service was six hours, they still showed up the second time. And they did. And they stood there for three hours listening to the word of God once again. Women and children and men alike. And as they heard the word of God once again... This time, remember, they came in sackcloth and ashes. They came in a, in a dressed in mourning as they came weeping and understanding they needed forgiveness from God because they had failed to obey God's law. Here you go, I'm going to read you those verses we left off with so that we can continue on Nehemiah chapter 10. Then the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, gatekeepers, singers, temple servants, and all who had separated themselves from the pagan people of the land in order to obey the law of God together with their wives, sons, daughters, and all who were old enough to understand joined their leaders and bound themselves with an oath. They swore a curse on themselves if they failed to obey the law of God as issued by his servant Moses. They solemnly promised to carefully follow all the commands, regulations, and decrees of the Lord our Lord. So, last week we ended with those verses, and I'm like, this is a serious commitment. It's the kind of commitment that you and I need to make with God today. I'm not telling you to swear a curse upon yourself. I'm saying if you don't have the right relationship with God, a curse has already been sworn upon you. According to the word of God. But what we're talking about here, because you're condemned if you don't believe, by the way, if you don't understand what I'm saying, John 3, uh, 18, if you read that, you'll understand it. Okay, let's go on here. So as the national revival is being called and for people to start living in obedience to God, they sign a declaration of, of I am all in. And if I ever disobey this, I, I call a curse upon myself. So that's what they did. So remember, we were talking about all that. Then the Levites put together a a listing of this prayer they prayed that they were signing an agreement to, and it's like a boiled-down version of the entire law of God. I'm going to highlight a little bit of this. It's important for where we're going today. We promise not to let our daughters marry pagan people of land and not to let our sons marry their daughters. We also promise that if the people of land should bring any merchandise or grain to be sold on the Sabbath or on any other holy day, we will refuse to buy it. In addition, we promised to obey the command to pay the annual temple tax. All right, this isn't about money. I'm not going to ask you for another offering, and we're not putting a tax on you, so just relax, okay? This was God's law, and God did. And it was for the maintenance of the house of God and what would be taken care of. If you go on in detail and read the rest of it, it's they also agreed to pay the tithe of all the first fruit. Families agreed to, to bring forth uh, like wood to be burned in the sacrifices so that each family would bring wood on each day so there was always wood at the altar of the house of God so they could do the, the necessary sacrifices. They said that they would not neglect the temple of God, that they would take care of the priests and all of that. So there's a lot more detail in there if you want to read it. But I wanted to highlight some things as we go on. In chapter 11, all the way through halfway of chapter 12, what Nehemiah does is reestablishes the presence of people in the city because it had been broken and dysfunctional. People weren't living in the city because it was vulnerable. So they were living out in the country. So he calls people to live back in the city, reestablish themselves now, and have a presence and a continuancy. Called the Levites and the priests to live near the city so that they could serve in the temple and all that was going on. So they give a list of the names of the priests and Levites, those that were to minister in the temple. So halfway through chapter 12, pretty exciting how we're coming to the end. It's 13 chapters, and I already covered two and a half. So you guys should be excited about this. You ready? <laughs> they do it. Here's what he does. He's, all this stuff is taking place. There's, there's things that are forming, and things are coming together. People are doing the right things, living the right way. Everything's happening in the right stuff. And so he says, we're going to have another service. We're calling everyone together, and we're going to have a dedication of the wall ceremony. To, he assembles all the people. The worship team comes together. They have choirs in, uh, in this day, and they had worship instruments, players, and everybody else, and he calls them together, and he brings them up on the wall. Remember, we told you it was 16 feet wide at average, and so it was a path around the city. Brings them all up. So the whole worship team and the choirs are there, and he divides them in half, instruments and people, sending them in the other directions from one another. Then he asks all the people to follow in procession with them. So now what we have is this continuous wave We thought we developed that right the wave but it was in the bible right so now what they're doing is they're starting here and the and the the people are beginning to praise play their instruments and they're worshiping god and they go like this around the city until they meet all the people are behind them praising god and they're celebrating and then when they got to the place where they meet on the other side of the city and the two groups meet they come down and they go right to the house of god to continue in worship I'm going to pick up the reading right here in the middle of chapter 12. They played, which is instruments they're talking about. This is part of what's happening right here. They played instruments and sang loudly under the direction of Jedariah, the choir director. So I'm pausing here on purpose because I want you to hear what the word of God says. They played and sang loudly. Hey. Wear your earplugs if you need to, wear your earmuffs if you need to, but I'm telling you it's time the church made some noise, joyously celebrating who our God is. I mean, there's so many people on the church that are worried about the sound levels, and then, and probably one of the most visited places in the church is the tech booth over there. It's so loud in here, I can't take it, you know, and I'm not making fun of you, I'm just saying, I understand there's ear problems, but we do have some earplugs for you if you need it, but I think we need to be louder, I do, I I think we need to be louder, And, and I want you to hear me right when I say this, because what he says here in the Word of God is all the instruments... And the people made noise, singing loudly, worshiping God. It doesn't say they sang good, or the choir sang parts, or it was a beautiful melody. It just says they did it loud. That's all it says. And we're sometimes so worried about how I sound to the person next to me, or if I'm singing on key. I don't care for singing on key. I don't hear you. I want to hear you. And I don't care if you're not singing on on Kia. If you are making a loud noise to God because you are full of joy, because your God has done amazing work in your life, then let it happen, church. Look, look, check it out. This is where many sacrifices were offered on that joyous day for God had given the people cause for great joy. Man, there's a bunch of nuts that are going to be attending playoff Super Bowl, you know, playoff games today. There's going to be people that will dress up in costumes, paint their faces, jump around and act like nuts, and we just accept that as normal. Right? I mean, you may look at them and think they're not all there. They don't care what you think, (laughs) they don't care. They want everyone to know who they are and what they're doing. And it's like, this is what the people of God do. I mean, we let everybody know what we're doing. It was a joyous celebration. The women and the children also participated in the celebration. The joy of the people of Jerusalem could be heard where? Far away. Isn't that awesome? I mean, everybody knew something was happening in Jerusalem. Sometimes I wonder if the people next door even know we're here, other than if we're in there constructing their driveway or something. It's like they ought to know something's happening inside this house because it's the house of God. Maybe we ought to open the doors and let them hear some noise or something. I don't know, but, I mean, it's like they they were knowing it was happening. Man, it's like we need to let people know that we serve a living God. and, And church, please, man, be full of joy. I mean, man, it's God's word, and he's talking to us, and he's transformed our life. And if he's transformed your life, you ought to at least smile about it a little bit. Come on, man. Half of us look like we're depressed because our life has changed. And what in the world is that all about? (laughs) Smile a little bit and you'd be amazed at how it changes the way you feel. All right. Now, chapter 12 concludes with provisions being planned for the temple worship. Now, please hear me because it's really important because they already signed a covenant that they would do all this stuff. But after this celebration and worship time, Nehemiah and the scribes and the priests and Levites and that, they're making sure everybody understands they need to take care of it. Now we go to chapter 13. I want you to know some time has passed, because as we know, they built the wall in 52 days, that Nehemiah led them in this, the, they give the dates of the two worship services, so with, by the end of the month of October, so within two months to three months, less than three months, all that we've been talking about has taken place. I mean, a crazy amount of change has happened. God is doing great stuff. Momentum is happening. God is moving. Chapter 13 comes. Before this happened, this is verse 4. Elisha, the priest, who had been appointed as supervisor of the storerooms of the temple of our God, and who was also a relative of Tobiah, had converted a large storage room and placed it all at Tobiah's disposal. So just pause for a minute. Those of you who have been with us recognize that name. When Nehemiah came with his first vision and he crossed the border into Judah heading towards Jerusalem he was met by opposition and who's the guy? Tobiah Tobiah. this is the guy that has been fighting everything God's been trying to do everything the people of God have been trying to establish it's this guy and here it is the priest gives him a room in the house of God come on think about it He's telling him, like, yeah, this is God's house. I'm gonna give you a storage unit. That's exactly what he does. Look, it says the room had previously been used for storing the grain offerings, the frankincense, various articles for the temple, and the tithes of grain, new wine, and olive oil, which were prescribed for the Levites, the singers, and the gatekeepers, as well as the offerings for the priest. Isn't that crazy? Wait a minute. We took a functioning part of God's house that was necessary and absolutely critical to the fulfillment of the absolute work of God's house and gave it to the enemy of God. And it's like, this is the priest doing this. There's a lot of stuff I could talk about right there. A lot of stuff, man. And how the church has surrendered God's house and God's space to the enemy but I want to concentrate on what happens next. Nehemiah says this, I was not in Jerusalem at that time. He's like, I wasn't there when this happened. I had returned to King Artaxerxes of Babylon in the 32nd year of his reign, though I had later asked him permission to return. So look, if we look at the time from when he left was the 20th year of his reign to now it's been 12 years. He was governing for 12 years. Had to go back because he agreed to that time frame in the beginning. Went back to King Arctic Xerxes. He's of Persia. It's the Babylonian Empire. That's why it states that. Comes back to the king as he said he would. Then he asks permission to return to Jerusalem. So let's just get this for a second because it's really important for where we're going. There's this God stuff happening. Things start to align and things start to function and God blesses it. Amen. Now as time goes on. Things are not happening. Changes happened. Reversion. Going back to the old ways. Here's Nehemiah. When I arrived back in Jerusalem, I learned about Eliashib's evil deed in providing Tobiah the room in the courtyards of the temple of God. I became very upset and threw all of Tobiah's belongings out of the room. I love it. This is what he did. He cleaned house. He's like, this is not the way this is going to be and this dude has no place in here and neither does his crap i'm getting it out and he didn't call him up and give him a 30-day notice or serve him a thing he went right over to that room and started grabbing his junk and pitching it out saying this has no place here this is god's house Amen. it's a man of action remember what we've seen all along with nehemiah nehemiah obeys everything in prayer but he takes action immediately in obedience to god and he says that's not right he's not right he doesn't belong here get out He keeps going. Check it out. Then I demanded that the rooms be purified and brought back the articles of God's temple, the green offerings and frankincense. I also discovered that the Levites had not been given their prescribed portion of food, so they and the singers were to, um, I'm sorry, and so then they and the singers who were to conduct the worship services had all returned to their fields. Look what happened. Now the pastors, the teachers, the leaders of the church can't even do their job because no one's doing what they're supposed to do to provide so that the work of God can continue. So they got to go out and make a living. So they leave God's house and they go out and start working fields and having businesses. So now we look at it and say that one little storage room doesn't seem like much. Yeah, but it was critical to the entire function of God's house, the worship of God and the celebration of God's leadership and the people in walking in full obedience to God. All right, now as we look at this then, and then let's just keep going. Immediately, I confronted the leaders and demanded, why has the temple of God been neglected? Do You remember those words right there just for a second? Remember what they signed in agreement? That they would not neglect the temple of God. The exact words they signed an oath and cursed themselves was now happening. Then I called all the Levites back again and restored them to their proper duties. And once more, all the people of Judah began bringing their tithes of grain, new wine, and olive oil to the temple storerooms. I love it because what, what Nehemiah does is he's, he's saying, you guys have reverted back. That is not acceptable. You're going to live in obedience. And this is how it happens. And the people say, yep, let's do it again. All right, don't dwell on what you haven't done or how you screwed up. Let's get it right and start doing it right from here on out. Now then, we just keep reading down, and we go down through there. Listen to what happens here. In those days, I saw men of Judah treading out their wine presses on Sabbath. So now he's already cleaned up God's house. Now he's walking downtown, and he looks over, and it's a Sabbath day, and these guys are doing what they're supposed to be doing the other six days of the week. They also were bringing in grain, loaded on the donkeys, and bringing their wine, grapes, figs, and all sorts of produce to Jerusalem to sell on the Sabbath. Wait a minute. We signed a covenant that we wouldn't do this. Now we're doing it. So I rebuked them for selling their produce on that day. About the same time, I realized some of the men of Judah had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. Furthermore, half their children spoke the language of Ashdod or of some other people and could not speak the language of Judah at all. So I confronted them and called down curses on them. I beat some of them and pulled out their hair. I made them swear in the name of God that they would not let their children intermarry with pagan people in. All right, you may think this guy's nuts. No, he's not. He's a man of action for God. And he was saying, look, you guys promised. You made an oath and you swore curses on yourself if you did not live in full obedience to what God demands. And here you are living in the absolute opposite way that you promised you would, therefore I call the curses down upon you because if you're not living it, you're not doing it. And if you understand me now, mm, 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 do you get it? That's, that's evangelism right there. <laughs> I mean, he's like letting them have it, literally. I mean, that's what he's doing. He's pulling their eyes, beating them up. You're not doing it. You're going to do it now. Nehemiah was a bad dude. He was a man of action. He wasn't screwing around. He's like, I I mean, I don't know what you guys thought. You were just at a service to party and have a good time. He's like, no, you were there to know how to live. You're not living. Therefore, I'm going to help you change. See what happened. This is what happened. They started to change. They loved the change. They loved the results of the change. But as they continued to live there, they forgot who made the change. And the new normal for them became function with the absence of God. When we begin to function with the absence of God, we begin dysfunction once again. And it happens so often that, you know, God helps us get our life together. He cleans us up because God's faithful, man. He's amazing. And he works with us, and he gets us established on our feet and reintroduces. And we're moving along in this way, and pretty soon we just start going back into our old ways because everything's fine now. Everything's moving like it should. We're protected. We're all together. Things are functioning again, and everything seems to be good. So, you know, they neglect God. Oh, my goodness. How many times has this (laughs) happened? So the people had gradually just reverted back into their old ways. And this is the crazy thing, because when you look at it, you think, you know, all this happened because Nehemiah wasn't there. He's just a guy. Remember, he wasn't a priest, wasn't a prophet, wasn't of royal lineage. No, he was a man who loved God, believed God, trusted God, and called people to follow God. And when he was absent, they just floated back to their old ways. And I'm like, Lord, that's the craziest thing that it's uh, how so many people in the church today can can make such great commitments and start on such great journeys, but how quickly they can fall away if something's not there to follow when we're supposed to be following Jesus, church. Amen. I mean, it was... Nehemiah is a guy. Sure, he was a good guy. Sure, he was calling him the truth. Sure, he was helping to lead and establish things. I get it. But come on, man. They agreed to it. They knew what it was. They knew what God expected. But they reverted to their old ways. <laughs> it's easy for us to revert to our old ways, isn't it? Yep. You know, uh, we don't even do New Year's resolutions anymore. Because, you know, we can say we're going to do something, but the vast majority of people don't do it. And I'm not saying you. I'm saying the vast majority of people don't do it. And they may start, but by the end of January, they don't even remember they made one. Right? Because, see, to create a new normal is work. And, and it's commitment. And it's not allowing yourself to go back into your old ways. And you know how you go back in your old ways? One compromise. One compromise is all it takes. It's all it takes, man. It's it's just that one thing. Oh, my goodness, man. It's crazy how we do this stuff, isn't it? So here we are. Um, We really do want the change, and they wanted the change. We know what God wants, and we know God wants to change us. But we struggle to continue on that path and keep our word, our pledge, and our faith in place. And, you know, these people have... I'm going to give them a little bit of an excuse. I am. I'm going to give them a benefit of the doubt in this respect. They didn't have the Holy Spirit in them. They did. They were functioning religiously in full obedience to what God said because they knew they needed Him. But they didn't have what we have. And so what God gave to me and you in the New Testament covenant was the Holy Spirit as an ever-present, so to speak, Nehemiah. Who is continuously calling us to the truth continuously leading us convicting us when we're stepping out of line when we think about reverting back to our old ways the Holy Spirit is faithful to call us out it actually says in the word of God that God disciplines those he loves therefore it is God who gives you one of those when you're messing up it's God who's pulling your hair and talking to you straight it is have you ever got a whooping from him you know it you know it all right, now listen, as we're talking about this, um, I, I look at Nehemiah, and I'm like, God, I, what I love about this guy is he is all in. I mean, you can call him a nut job if you want. You can think he's, like, way, way over aggressive. Man, I think he's, like, amazing, and, and I want to be that kind of a guy. I'm not going to mug you or nothing. Don't worry. I'm just saying I, I want to be like come on man i want to live it i want to preach it and i'm going to call us to that life that god's i'm living it and i want to live it the rest of my days and i want to call you church to live what god has called us to to accomplish the things that god has said are possible when we trust him because the word of god says there's nothing impossible for god nothing not you not your family not tucson not anything else nothing is impossible for god All we have to do is believe him, own that, trust him, live it, and God will do great things even through us. God wants to do that. So even though the people began to revert back with no accountability, I'm going to say this to you, that um, I believe in accountability. I do. I think it's important that you have someone that, you know, you should be accountable to. However, at the same respect, I will say this to you as well. If you're not accountable to God, with the Holy Spirit prompting you, I don't know if you're going to be accountable to a a human being either. You know, like, come on. It was the Holy Spirit that got you in the headlock first. And when someone's asking hey, are you living right? Yeah, I'm living right. When you're not living right, it's like, come on. If you can do that to God, what's going to stop you from telling me, oh, yeah, I'm doing everything I should? Right? Right? So the accountability thing is, is that God knows you. I want you to know he knows you. He knows what's going on in your life. And he knows where you're beginning to revert back. He knows where you stopped living in obedience and you begin to regress. He knows. And he's calling you out. Right now. He's calling you out. And he's saying, do you really want to go back there? Do you remember the dysfunction? Do you remember the brokenness? Come on, church. I don't care if it was 12 years. It's never too late for you to fall. One compromise. One screw up. I mean, come on. The Spirit of God is faithful to lead us. We have to be faithful to Him. And He has called the church to a life that is all about Jesus and not about you, not about me, all about Him. I want to challenge you, church, this morning to a new normal from God. That you are not comfortable in who you are and where you're at. Too many people are complacent in their walk with God, content with where their faith is, and you need to be growing. And to be growing is to be uncomfortable, and you have to change. And change is not easy, but it's necessary. And God is trying to create a new normal in you. A new normal in me, a new normal in his church, a new normal in society. And that new normal is made and found in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Amen. Amen. The new normal church is your spiritual disciplines of your life. Your new normal is you're spending time with God. You're not just talking to God in prayer. You're listening so God can speak. You're being obedient when the spirit of God prompts you convicts you, moves you, enlightens you. We're moving in agreement with God. Look, I'm going to say this before we go on. Uh, If you've been walking with God for any length of time, you know this. I don't care if you're a believer. uh, I do care and you need to be a believer to get where I'm talking about, but here we are. Say yes to Jesus. You're walking with Him. And then all of a sudden, God speaks to you about something in your life. Okay, Listen hear me right you got to hear me because this is the work of the Holy Spirit in our life Jesus said so that he would convict us guide us and lead us into all truth so I'm forgiven of my sins I began a journey with God just like the people in Jerusalem right there we're walking with God all of a sudden the Spirit of God says you know that needs to change you're saved maybe everything in your life's not right yet but you're saved Right. right let me clarify that not everything in your life is right yet but you're saved Okay? The Spirit of God says that needs a change. Have you heard that? Okay. Did you do it? When you do that, after that moment, after that surrender, after that yes, Lord, in your walk with Him, there's nothing better than that. You know that. If you've done that, you know that God is pleased and you are right with him and there's a greater understanding of who God is and your faith is greater and your walk with God is stronger, right? That's, That's maturity. That's progressing in the faith. That's what we're talking about here. So as you do that then, hear me church, you've had those encounters and those experiences. If you haven't, God's doing it right now. Clarifying. God's doing that to you right now and if you haven't had that. But if you have... Now let's move you over here because now you're growing Christ-like. And as you're progressing, here you are today. And the Holy Spirit's been talking to you about something. And he's prompting you to take this next step. And you're negotiating. (laughs) And you're struggling. And you know you ought to. And you know you need to. But you're not being obedient, and you know what happens when that happens? We start to slide, and we start to revert, just like they did, and and we start to go back. (laughs) God's faithful. Don't don't mishear me. Don't try and like go overanalyze. Just stay with me right here. See, there's this moment right here where I recognize. Here's where I am. There's where I was. Nehemiah is saying, what are you doing? We did all this. I leave for a little bit of time, come back, and you're back there. How in the world did you get back there? How did you let that happen? How did you let that happen? That ain't going to happen here. We're kicking butt. We're making it happen. We're changing things. We're getting right back up there where we belong. And the way that happens is obedience, church active obedience to god the holy spirit's faithful you you can't just like sit there now and dwell on it and like oh poor i i suck i can't ever do it no get back up there you know what god wants you know exactly what he's asking you obedience man that's all we repent we move up so last week i asked you to take one of these stones i invite you to do it again The reason for each one, reach one, teach one, and all that is biblically-based call of the believer to share your faith. That's what it is. Matthew 28, we read the verses, right? Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always to the end of the age. If if the Lord Jesus Christ has given us this command, then he promises he's got all the authority that he's going to go and do it with us, go live that life preach that truth, be that truth, lead others in that truth, what I'm only asking here in this little statement saying what the rock is saying, remember what God did with Nehemiah, look what Jesus has asked us to do, look church, great things can happen for the glory of God, when we simply walk and live in obedience to the Spirit of God, that's all we have to do, is live in full agreement and obedience, take action with our faith, and begin to live the way God's asked us to live, and God will do the rest, it's a call of every believer. It's the call for a Christian faith fellowship. If we are going to be true to what God has asked us to do, then we're going to do it. Amen. There's a place for one of those right there. It's living the faith, sharing the faith, living an act of obedience for each individual needs to become our natural way of life. It needs to become the new normal. The new normal. All right, I, I, I'm a little bit hesitant to say this. I want to, I want to say it. Um, I'll do the best I can. Um. Hmm. I, I'm struggling because I'm harsh about this, so I want to be careful because here's the thing. The Church of Jesus Christ today, we just need help. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't <even> <laughs> <laughs> I... I don't even want to get into it, man, because there's no nice way of saying it. We just, we suck a lot of times, and we need to change, all right? Uh, that, that wasn't even the one I was struggling with. That's just the truth of the matter is where we are, right? So it, it, God's called us to be different than we were, all right? Um, maybe just stop complaining and start living and be joyful. That would be a good start. I, you know what I mean? Just stop complaining, start living and being joyful about what God's done for you. You know, he saved you to transform you into a messenger of the good news. Do you know that? Yes. He saved you to transform you to be a messenger of the good news. When Jesus gave that great commission, he said, go and teach them what I've taught you. Right? What did you learn? That's what it says on here. Each one reach one teach one. It's like, this is what I know about God. You know, I think, okay, I will say this part. I'll say I think it's better that someone gets saved that's never been in church because people who have been in church are jacked up because the church has jacked them up. And now they're trying to struggle through what they've been taught to who God is and what does that mean and uh, and all this stuff. And it's like, man, we just need to surrender all that and start living in obedience to the spirit of God. Let him teach us theology. Don't let the church do it. Let the spirit of God reveal truth through the word of God, live in obedience to it. And I'm telling you right now, we will become one and we will live in truth of the glory of God. We will, church. We just need to start acting like believers, living like believers, and knowing what it means to walk with God. I, I want you to know that God's going to hold you accountable. I think sometimes that we have misrepresented judgment from God, and we-, we think of the judgment as the great white throne judgment when he says, you're saved. Sorry, you're not. You didn't accept Jesus. You're going to hell. And like then we're on this free ride into heaven for eternity do you understand there's a judgment of the believer do you know that read your bible we're going to be held accountable for how we do what we do and why we do what we do we're going to be judged by the righteous judge and he's going to hold us accountable to what we were supposed to do what we did do and what we accomplished for his kingdom so it's not like you just get this free pass to heaven and everything's great now. No, he's called you for a purpose. He saved you for a purpose. It's for his glory. You need to use your life up for his glory. That's what it's all about. You don't have to be afraid of that judgment. Don't, don't misinterpret that. It's not something we should be scared of. We should be excited about it. I mean, God's going to be looking at you and saying, well done, man. You were doing it. You were living it. You were going against the current of society. You held the truth. You repented of what was wrong. You showed people what it meant to be right. He was going to give you all that glory and praise and reward you for it. All right. obedience, the Holy Spirit, right? Let's jump into the New Testament real quick, into my other favorite book in the Bible, and another hero of mine, James. When people don't understand the Bible, a lot of people will say, I read it. I don't get what you're saying or what that says. I hear you, but I don't get it. Like, okay, all right, anybody struggling with that, just start reading the book of James this week, okay? Because James just says stuff pretty simple and clear, straight up. Chapter 1, verse 22, he says this. He's writing to the church, the believers. You ready? But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Everybody hearing this? You understanding what's being said to you right now? I mean, that's pretty simple stuff, isn't it? Hey, don't just listen. Do it. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Oh, wow, man. That's awesome stuff right there. Look, we have the testimony of it in the nation, in the city of Jerusalem that we've been studying in Nehemiah. God says, you do what I say. I'll bless you. I'll take care of you you don't, you're in trouble. James says the church, the exact same thing. Don't just look at yourself once and say, I'm right. That's Sunday morning. (laughs) And then you start heading down the road of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And all you remember is what you look like on Sunday. Praise God. We love you, Lord. And you forget that on Wednesday you were doing this to everybody at work. (laughs) That you came home and you were like telling everybody off in the house that you left your word of God sitting there and you haven't even looked at it, but you think you're all right because on Sunday you felt really good inside because you were worshiping God. That's what he's telling us, church. He's saying don't get misled by getting a little glimpse of yourself and say, whoa, I look good right now. Yeah, man. (laughs) I got it together. And then walk away and you still think that's what's happening. You don't even realize that you're a mess. Everybody else sees it but you. This is what he's telling us right here. It's right there. Church, let's keep reading. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Oh, my goodness, man. Just think about this last week. Would you just think about it? Think about what was happening right here. Think about it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're only fooling yourself. Your religion's worthless. <coughs> it means nothing. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans and the widows in their distress. Most people understand that. We know that we have hearts of compassion, which is awesome. I, I mean the United States is a very generous and giving and loving people. We are, as a nation, we really are. And we get that. But you know what the church has forgot? Is the Fullness of the rest of that statement. Because what it says is the care for the orphans and the widows and their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Yeah. Oh. Oh. So it's not good enough to just give you guys a few things and go on but nope. He said, You gotta live right out there in that world, no matter what. You do not compromise, you do not live like the world lives. You live the way God has called you to live. I mean, do you not understand that? I mean, I'm not being sarcastic or mean. I'm saying, look, I mean, that is like in your face, clear. No interpretation needed about what is being told us in the word of God that you're supposed to live your faith outside of church. And if you're only living it in church, you're not living it and you don't have it. (laughs) Not as many amens as the accountability questions. I just want you to know. (laughs) Alright, so... Alright, I I ask it for amens, and I want you to be loud in church. I want you to clap. I want you to praise God. I I do. I want all that to happen. But this is what James is saying. It doesn't matter if you shout amen so everyone hears you shout it. If when you get home, you're not living it. It means nothing. You know, the applause means nothing. None of that matters if our life is being lived contrary to what we're agreeing to in the public worship. It doesn't mean anything. So... I will translate it this way, too. It means nothing for you to take this rock home and throw it out in your garden or whatever you do. With it. I don't really care. I just want you to live the truth. But it's not going to do us any good to carry one home unless we're acting in obedience. Right. And so the, the challenge was and is, are we going to live the truth? I mean, that rock's not going to make you do it. I can't make you do it. The Spirit of God's calling us to it. He's been calling us to it. Now what we have to do is take some action to change our behavior to have a new normal. The new normal is living in obedience to God. But the only way we can live in the new normal is first to know Jesus personally for me. I need to know him. I need to know that he's my savior and know that I'm forgiven. Do you know that this morning? If you don't, you can. And today needs to be the day that you know Jesus. Today needs to be the day. You need to begin that journey with God. And so this altar is always open. You were singing the song a little while ago about it. Come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. He wants to forgive you. He died to forgive you. He wants a relationship with you. Don't leave without it. If you do know him, and he is your savior, then what is it that God has asked of you that you are currently not doing? I mean, we're saying, yes, I'm forgiven, remember? I'm forgiven. I started my journey with God, and I'm up here, and God's talking to me about something else in my life. I want to talk about being forgiven, God wants to talk to me about living. Where we're at is right here, right now. Right here, right now. What are you not doing that the Holy Spirit is asking you to do? Time to change, right? The new normal. Obedience. It's time to step over. It's time to say yes to that next step in agreement with the Spirit of God and obedience to Him and do it. Okay, so... um, are you going to do that? Yes. Yes. Let's do this, okay? I, I give you action steps each week because um, I, my, my hope and prayer for all of us, including myself, is that we don't just hear this and go on and forget. And it's not that you have to remember everything I said. You need to know what God's asking you, and that's what matters. And so each day through this week, what we need to do is we need to begin asking God, who is the one you've placed before me to share you with? Who is that one today? Who is that, Lord? All right, I mean, let me just help us, each one here. Now, Is if Monday morning I come, I'm like, God, I want to start my day this way. I mean, when you're in the shower, when you're, I don't care what you're doing or when, but start your day, who is the one? Show me. Show me, God. Who is the one? And when you do that, I'm telling you, if you carry that with you through your day, You're going to see the people at your work different. Well, first, you'll see the people in your house different, the people around you different, the people you work with different, the people in community around you. You're going to see them different because what you're doing is you're looking at them with the eyes of God to see, what is God saying to me about them? What does God want me to be to them? Some people might just need you to be kind, to smile, to be the loving God that he is to them in that moment of their life. Some of them might need you to just go ahead and say something to them about jesus Some might need to be prayed for some you may not have to say a word But you know god's saying pray for that person do it Church when we do this see and we live in that obedience to the spirit We start to recognize the promptings of the holy spirit and we stop the negotiations in your mind Like is that you god? Is that you god? Is that what you want? Look, we got to quit the mind games And we got to start acting and living in obedience to the spirit of god Amen. This altar is open, church. I just want you to know we're going to stand and be dismissed. And it is 1216. It's not a new norm. Just today's. No. God is good, man. He's so faithful. I want to encourage you that this altar is open. If you do not know Jesus as your Savior, we invite you to come and make a commitment to him today. Look, God wants to transform you. You know you need to change. This is where change begins is when you enter into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's where change begins. If you're here for that and you need that, would you come forward right now? Look, I'm talking about salvation from Christ in this moment. If you are walking with God and you know you've been negotiating and maybe you've reverted back in some of your ways and you need to stop in that backslidden state and renew your faith and commitment to Christ, then you need to come forward and do that today. This altar is open for you. Don't go all the way back. Please don't go back. God is calling you so that you don't backslide, revert back. Come into the full obedience of the Spirit of God. He's calling you. He's calling you. Just move. There's nothing to hold you back. Doesn't matter what people think. I don't care how many times you've been at the altar. I don't care what anybody thinks. The Spirit of God's prompting you. You move in obedience to Him. That's the life of obedience and that's what He does. I don't care who you are, what position you hold, or any forget all that garbage, man. Let's walk in obedience to the Spirit of God. If He's calling you, move. God, here we are. Thank you, Jesus. If you're in full obedience and you're standing in the back, God bless you. Thank you for your obedience to the Spirit of God. Would you pray for your brothers and sisters that are up here? Pray that God would encourage their hearts and strengthen their faith and renew that faith within them, that they would be strong in their walk with God. Father, we love you. First, I just want to say thank you, God, for the amazing truth of your word, the transformational truth of the word of God. (laughs) You're amazing. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for convicting me. Thank you for revealing truth. Thank you for the walk that you've given to us that we can walk in obedience to you. Thank you for the people that have responded to the Spirit, God, as you have called us to a new normal, a new beginning, a new change, a new transformation in our life. God, we give you glory for what you are doing right now, God. Thank you. Thank you, God, that you're writing your story on our life. Thank you, God. Thank you. Strengthen us in our resolve. We're going to go out of here and be the church. We're going to be the light. We're going to be the salt. We're going to go make disciples for the glory of God. God, we just look forward to all that you're going to accomplish in your church through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here today. God bless you. Thank you.